Hello and welcome to a very special holiday episode of Lost and Criterion. I'm John Patrick Owatari Dorgan, and with me, as always, is a man who likes to leave dangerous cans of kerosene hanging around all over the place. I am the Adam Glass, and how else will I thwart my own evil plan <laughs> by allowing the the good guy, good girl, to escape? I mean, it's, it's really, it's just, it's how you have to act. Yeah, I mean, villain. you do have an obligation. If you're going to cook up a plan this batshit insane to really just leave kerosene everywhere, just any anywhere and everywhere you go. 100%. Every now, room speaking of your house of, has kerosene uh, in it for some reason. Yeah, speaking of leaving fuel everywhere, we have some friends. Wait, what? Uh, what? what? <laughs> Pardon me? Huh. <laughs> sorry, sorry, let me try that again. Flawless speaking of segues, we have some guests today. Uh... <laughs> Joining us for this episode are our our, our dear friends, uh, Stephen Goldmeyer and Ben Jones White. Would you two like to say hello? You don't have to. Hello, this is Stephen. You may know me from such episodes as uh, Armageddon and Black Orpheus. Yeah. And uh, now you see me. A bonus episode. Get on that Patreon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Stephen has been uh, has been a guest uh, for many many years. Uh, he, he named two from year one. So very nice. <laughs> really old school. Hello, this is Ben. Yeah. Ben's been a guest before, too, but... Uh, Most, mostly Christmas time guest. Mostly, he is doesn't want to toot his holiday, own horn with regards to the A holiday guest and uh, a couple of Wes Anderson uh, movies. I love tooting. Doesn't want to uh, <laughs> remember. Doesn't want to have to remember. <laughs> doesn't want to recall any of those painful memories. Pat, before we get into our our special this year, I want to talk about our Patreon for a second. Over there for a dollar a month, you can keep us going and you get access to a bonus episode. Now, there's no Patreon bonus episode in December because we do this holiday special for everyone. Uh, and it's just too much work to do multiple yeah, <laughs> multiple bonus that. episodes in a month. Can't handle it. Uh, we, watch a, we watch enough movies as it is. Uh, but for a dollar a month, you get access to a non-criterion film over there. You get to vote on what we're going to watch every month, January to November. You get access to the entire back catalog of those episodes. There's over 50 now because we've been doing it for too many years. And yeah, it's fun. We have a lot of fun. Last month's episode was uh, Ernest Scared Stupid. Uh, before that, it was the 1984 movie, The River. Uh, so it's just a yeah. roller coaster of quality, because because uh, <laughs> Ernest Scared Stupid is somehow a much much better movie than The River. <laughs> than the River. Uh, yeah, uh, but we've also watched things like The Americanization of Emily, Dog Day Afternoon, uh, Failsafe, which ended up being in the Criterion Collection after we really did not see that coming. Actually, I don't know. No, normally. I I never really thought they would do it. Um, yeah, mainly because you know. Like it's whatever. Because they already have Doctor Strangelove in there. Yeah. Why would they put Failsafe well, in there? And and now you see me is probably going to be in the collection pretty soon. Yeah, so. yeah I mean, yeah, I actually yeah. does. We got that now. You see me. Honestly. Listen, I'm not. You know, I mean it when yeah, I say. No. It. Yeah, <laughs> we've got. We have the grand the grand theory that someday 
uh, in the not too distant future, there will be a Criterion released box set that just contains every film. Yeah. Uh, right. Spine number, you know, one billion is going to yeah, be yeah. every film that's not in here already. I don't. I don't think it's even that high. I bet two thousand. We're Criterion yeah. very proud. Very proud to announce our special two thousand. Uh, 2000 just release. below 1200 right now so i figured 800 more releases they'll be ready to oh, just they'll get desperate enough <laughs> yeah uh, they'll make a deal with disney but, uh, and then that'll just be it that'll be all the movies i was yeah. just about to say yeah like the <laughs> disney box set is like <laughs> it's yeah. just every movie ever made there you go oh <laughs> uh, man a little a little above that one dollar mark uh for five dollars just for people who uh want to keep us going a little more uh, and we greatly appreciate them. We'd like to thank those people on air. So thank you so much to our current $5 supporters, Chris Otto, Eric Coronado, and Stephen Goldmeyer. Oh, hey. Thank you. You're, you're welcome. <laughs> Not a, only am I a t- attendee, I'm also a fan. <laughs> a, bit above, a bit above that, we do something that I think is pretty dang special. Pat makes a piece of art based on one of the movies we watched recently. I get that printed up on a postcard and write a little personalized thank you note to our $10 and above supporters. And we like to thank those folks on air as well. So thank you so much to Adam Speakerman, to Patrick Yaku, to Michael McGrath, Jason Westhaber, and Nina Bajnak, our current $10 and above supporters. If you want to support us, again, head over to patreon.com lostincriterion. If you want to see those $10 level postcards, head over to redbubble.com and search for Lost in Criterion there and check out the entire back catalog of those except for two that got challenged uh i'll get you some because day, toho. uh toho is very litigious and redbubble uh refuses to make a uh, fair use argument on our behalf <laughs> and uh, oddly enough so is warner brothers it's strange yes yeah not not surprising just wait they'll get into the criterion collection too one day. Yep, yep. yeah <laughs> uh anyway uh yeah Patreon.com slash Lost and Criterion if you want to support us. Greatly appreciate everyone who does. Greatly appreciate everyone who listens. What do you think the chances the are party. we're going to get like a Snyder cut in the Criterion collection? That seems like it would happen. I don't know anything yeah, about it. Maybe. I've never seen it. But. <laughs> I, yeah. Without uh, uh, diverging too much into other movies, there is there is something to be said for like writers or directors who sort of have like a very specific thing that they're doing that mm-hmm. is really loved by people and I, there's a chance that like we've become those people for shane black right yeah like you know people will be like yeah people like does this deserve to be in the collection and then some they'll be like someone can write an essay about shane black's obsession with christmas and we'll be like uh, yeah. <laughs> we got you covered. <laughs> uh, so Stephen brings up Shane Black because this year's Christmas episode is about another Shane Black penned movie. Uh, he is the backbone of our insistence that these holiday episodes contain a winter holiday, but do not actively <laughs> reference that winter uh, holiday. In no, in no way feature it as an important <laughs> At element. least in the plot. Yeah. Uh, I have an argument about that that we can talk about later. Okay. I, I think I, this I, might actually be a Christmas movie. Yeah, I, I think you I actually think that might be right. <laughs> well, well, our very our very first holiday episode was the first Die Hard, which obviously a lot of people will will name as an actual Christmas movie. Uh, less argument about that for the second Die Hard, though. Uh, yeah. 
Does the second Die Hard I, take I place think, at Christmas? I don't even know. Yes, it also takes place at Christmas. I can't, I can't I think remember. People just don't like it as much. <laughs> yeah, yeah, people just don't like the second I Die think Hard. People only get sort of like weird about stuff. We're like, I want to watch it anyway, and I want to be smart about it. Yeah. And they don't feel that way about Die Hard 2, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Well, Die Hard 2 was directed by Rennie Harlan, who directs our movie this year as well, The Long Kiss Goodnight from 1996. Uh, we did Die Hard 2. Year two. Uh, yeah, like you episodes. can just tell how and much of an impact it has. I think there's airplanes involved. Yeah. <laughs> yes, it does take place at an airport uh, at uh, at yes, Dulles, I believe, score. or maybe B- right. You know, one of the one of the Couldn't DC area bear, airports, <laughs> uh, because it makes sense for the terrorist plot, I guess. Anyway, um, <laughs> this is a uh, a '96 movie starring Gina Davis, who at the time was married to Rennie Harlan. Uh, they had the year previous made Cutthroat Island, uh, which bombed, and then this bombed, and then they got divorced. Uh, unrelated, presumably. <laughs> probably unrelated. Or, or not. Yeah, I mean, you know. <laughs> but possibly not. Uh, this is, as I said, written by Shane Black. It is produced by Shane Black, by, uh, by Harlan, and by somebody named Stephanie Austin, who I didn't do any research on, but... I mentioned a producer, so we got to mention her as yeah, well. But yeah, we got to uh, cover all of, all of them. Uh, presumably, she yeah. she was in charge of all the explosions. That's how I yeah. assume that works. It uh, yeah, it <laughs> it did actually make its budget back, but it did not make enough to uh, save anyone's career. Apparently, not that not that anyone's. Yeah, I don't think really anybody in this. this. Yeah, I don't think it really hurt anybody. Apparently, so well, I mean, I except for our marriage, it, it ended a marriage. Yeah, I mean, uh, arguably, it didn't. It didn't help people like you right. know uh, Craig Bierko <laughs> and yes. Melina Kenna Carides uh, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there are some people who were uh, already big enough or on the rise enough that they they couldn't be hurt by this. I guess. Yeah, like the guy uh, in the freezer. It, he did really well for himself. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> really like stuck to his to his part you know he knew how to play off the other actors i.e not at all um yeah well, he, i mean he did some uh, research he knew that he would be frozen but he wouldn't be frozen solid so he didn't try to like plank the whole thing you know it was still flexible a little bit there you go yeah. what a pro or what a pro. alternatively uh, actual dead body Oh. <laughs> that's true. We'd have to we'd have to contact producer Stephanie Austin. Yeah, find out about the dead, dead body, body Maybe that's why. Maybe that's how she got the producer credit. She's <laughs> she, the dead she body writer. Guy who had access to dead bodies. <laughs> right. It's actually like a, a pen name for like you know uh, Eileen Warnos or something. <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, Stephanie Austin uh, is just a producer, but she also produced Terminator Two. Uh, she produced True Lies. Uh, mm. So much better. Shanghai movies. Nights. And. Uh, and Sahara, so not all <laughs> much better movies, I, but I'm, I'm, I might argue that those aren't that much better than this. <laughs> any yeah. of those, yeah. Personally, <laughs> I like this a lot. So yeah, <laughs> yeah, I actually really like this too. Uh, well, I think this I mean, is our Shane Blackiest uh, movie in a lot of ways. Uh, which, which as we talked about, it you does and I have discussed, a female lead. You and I discussed earlier. Shane Blackiest just means Aaron Sorkin, but with lots of guns and blowing things up. <laughs> I think that's yeah. that's fair. Right. Um, it's just so, and, and so much Christmas. quippery going on. But but also Studio 60 on the Sunset Strip could have benefited from more explosions, I think. So 
maybe Aaron Sorkin needs to lean into the Shane Blackness of it. And if just, every just, episode of West Wing were a Christmas episode, yeah, yeah. I think we would all love West Wing a lot more. Yeah, every every episode yeah. of West Wing is Christmas episode and just people just shooting each other in the White House. It's just it's, wait a minute. Listen, they've already definitely made that movie. I was gonna say I'd, I'd watch it. Yeah, <laughs> I'd watch it. I've not watched West Wing, but God, that pitch! I'd, I'd, watch, I'd watch so much of it. Uh, the uh, the only real background information on this movie that is of any pertinent interest, I feel, is that unsurprising studio executives really wanted to retool this movie to star Steven Seagal or Sylvester Stallone. Of course, uh, instead yeah, of Gina Davis. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Gina Davis was. I mean, she is not known as an action movie person. Uh, she wasn't. Uh, she pretty solidly went into her quirky mom role phase after this movie. Mm. Uh, I mean, we can assume that many of her other roles where she plays a quirky mom. She was playing yeah. a mass murderer that we like. We just don't. Like, we don't see it. Right. Right. She just. Oh, yeah. We it. only got the amnesia part. Not yeah. The yeah. <laughs> yeah. Awakening. Right. Right after the credits roll on any of her other quirky mom roles, it's like, wait a second. Right. <laughs> Chefs do that. St- Stuart Little. Uh, yeah, League of their own. Absolutely. Uh, what Earth Girls are easy. All all movies where she's secretly an assassin. I've, se- I've seen none of those. So I I uh, offhand the only other movie I can think of that I've seen her in is Beetlejuice. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I forgot she was um, in Beetlejuice. There's some. There's some Beetlejuicey moments in this movie too. Yeah, I, I'm I made an option. So I uh, I hate dream sequences in in movies and TV. I get really annoyed at them. And um, there was one early, and I sort of said like, okay, you get one. <laughs> uh, they they sort of did one and a half, I think. Uh, but anyway, there was a moment there where she was kind of in like there was like stormy clouds behind her, and she was like on a cliff and looking kind of disheveled. And I was like, wait a second, this feels very Beetlejuice. Yeah. Yes, I mean it was Especially a it was a CGI background. It was definitely a, a a hell of a dream sequence though, just because like I'm so used to like dream sequences where like especially Marvel, there's like weird flashes of just like faces floating in in ether or whatever. And this one's like no 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 cliff, thunder clouds. Yeah. Weird shit just happening in mirrors. It's all we're going for broke on this one. It's, it's, yeah, it was very dramatic, and it also did have the vibe of like her former self saying, "Hey, I'm coming for you, and yeah. I'm going to ruin your life." <laughs> and that was kind of cool yeah. to like get that sort of like presage of like the rest of the movie. Well, especially yeah. since you don't have a lot of context at that point, so you're like, "Yeah, maybe th- maybe this is a totally different movie than I was expecting based on the cover and everything like that. Maybe she's going to be like hunted, like." I don't know. I was like, I mean, obviously she is going to be hunted, but yeah, I was like imagining like, oh, maybe she's like, it's some sort of like weird, like two per, you know, I don't know. It just seemed like it yeah, could yeah. Win any, or something. anything could happen yeah. at that point. Right. Yeah. You you mentioned Beetlejuice, but but that first scene at least gave me real uh, Nightmare on Elm Street vibes mm. uh, for some reason. I don't, not necessarily anything particular, just the whole feel of, yeah. of what was going on there. I've not seen any of those movies, but I oh, do well. know that that Remy Harlan did like the fourth one or something. Oh yeah, so. <laughs> yeah. It all comes around. <laughs> it all it all comes back. Remy Harlan is is the backbone of uh, modern everything. filmmaking. He did he did do <laughs> that's he, a bold statement. <laughs> he in fact he in fact made a Nightmare on Elm Street for the Dream Master. Oh, oh yeah, there wow. you go. They, this is this is right why. before he made they, the Adventures of Ford Fairlane. Flex those muscles. <laughs> yeah, they saw this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah um his next movie uh after this was blast from the past uh and and made deep blue sea the same year he made blast from the past so you know his career wasn't all that bad it did take 
three years to to bounce back there right but. i mean it sort of feels like then he sort of like took this movie broke it into two of its pieces <laughs> right and said i'm gonna make one of these as deep blue sea and one right. of these as blast from the past right <laughs> uh ultimately probably yeah more or less yeah i think you observed early adam that it felt like um the movie was kind of introducing five different movies yes. in the beginning and that seems pretty true yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was it was that's that's part of what makes me call this the shane blackest movie is that uh every every character introduction could be its own film and feels like its own film as we move through it before they slam together about a half hour in. yeah yeah, there's a scene where they're in the White House kitchen and the president is having his midnight snack and getting an intelligence briefing. And that is the, I don't know, the Sorkiniest of the plots, yes, certainly. Yes. Um, but yeah, it, it hit and I was like, this seems like it's a totally different movie. Yeah. It took me a minute to remember like, well, they have kind of been talking about sort of the CIA and stuff a little, but not like this. So yeah, yeah. that was when it was like, I've lost count. Yeah, <laughs> I, I re- that one really took me off guard. I was like, wait, wait what? Yeah. Wait, why are we at the White? Like, as soon as you go to that, that outer shot of the White House, I'm like, wait, what the fuck is happening now? Like, where, why are we at the White House? Yeah. And I was like, am, are we, well, is we she were- going to get out of the car and like walk into the White House? What's happening here? <laughs> We were, we were weirdly looking at a map of Pennsylvania, trying to like sort of map out where they were, and then that popped up, and I think it was you, Adam, said Pennsylvania Avenue? Yeah. yeah. It's like a totally new, had no idea where we were. Right. Right. Yeah. Because we go, we go from her, you know, Christmas party to Samuel Jackson's introduction to her car accident to the prison scene that exists sort of in a vacuum even within everything else yeah, it's very except confusing. to introduce the guy who killed her uh who's mad about his eye and then uh yeah swing back to the hospital dream sequence um, so it's just it's just, just a little detour through a couple of other movies before right. they, yeah. before we swing back and hey this one's a horror movie now for a couple of minutes yeah. and uh, uh like, yeah i here's the thing though the thing i'm completely preoccupied with is the effects and stunt work in this movie I cannot mm-hmm. could not really like to the point where like I don't really want to talk like the thing about it is like I don't really have anything negative to say about the movie I'm just flabbergasted Good. by the effects in this movie <laughs> like things blow up in yeah. ways that are just in which direction like, <laughs> so incomprehensible like like sideways out a wall that yeah, direction like, or yeah, yeah like, okay so the one that I'm really trying to the the Cause like you're like they really get it to you pretty early, like when the guy shoots I guess a rocket out of a shotgun, yeah. <laughs> out of a, a shotgun, wall? yeah. And you're like, what's? Yeah. And there's just so much wire work. It's like they like they hired like uh, like just like one like a kung fu wire team, crouching tiger, like, hidden yeah, dragon. exactly. Yeah. And they're like, and they're like, so you want him to fly around the room? Like, no, just yank as hard as you can out of every hole you can <laughs> find. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it, it was amazing. I mean, so the, he puts that giant hole in the wall, and you see it there, and you're like, why is there a giant hole in the wall? And it so pays off when she throws her daughter through the hole into the treehouse. I mean, it's just like, like uh, I would I would be sort of, like, annoyed by the cartoonishness of it, except that it just keeps kind of paying off. Well, yeah, yeah. It, it's, it's really, like, it's just what it is. What got me about it is not the, like, it's not so much a complaint per se. It's just that, like, the it it's weird it's weirdly it is weirdly cartoony how yeah like it's it doesn't yeah. seem to jive with the rest of the movie otherwise in terms of like tone 
you get used to it eventually. You're like, oh, it's always going to be cartoony. The effects are never not going to be cartoony. But yeah, it's so it weird. Is, it is maybe pertinent then to point out that the movie Shane Black wrote before this, his project right before this, was a few years before, but his last writing project was Last Action Hero. Got it. Uh, and this, a lot of the action in this movie feels like Last Action Hero, even though the actual way the action stuff is shot, I think we could probably lay at at Rennie, not at Shane. But uh, yeah. <laughs> I think I think the moment that that to me really encapsulates the confusion that you're expressing, Pat, is um, you know they they have the car accident, which feels kind of oh no, it's very dangerous. Then she flies through the windshield in a move that looks like it's a wire work yeah. kind of stunt. And then she gets up and snaps the neck of a deer. Like, deer. like a very insane, serious... Yeah. Well, yeah, and it falls back down. Well, yeah. like, the, thing about the way it's all timed is like, they, unlike what we've probably gotten used to in a lot of ways, honestly, just through the way movies work now, honestly, is the fact that um, like they give you, they linger on each section of that just long enough for you to actually process what's happening. So she, like the way they end up shooting it, she hits the the tree, and it doesn't actually read as though that sent her flying out of the car immediately. It reads as though there's like a half beat delay before she flies out of the car. And so it's like it, the way it's paced is just really. It's like it, it looks like the car like ejected her on purpose. It's like yeah, it was the emer- emergency out. ejector seat exactly yeah. because exactly. the car knew it was going to catch on fire. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's it, and every or, scene is kind of like that, right? Like for example, when Samuel L. Jackson gets blasted out of the out of the building. They show you the explosions inside, and then there's enough of a beat that he then flies away as though, like, he's riding on wings of fire. It's very, like, wait, wait <laughs> yeah. you're, not, yeah. you're not being blown out as much as you are, like, now possessed of the ability to fly. Well, you see, though, that's that's established at the midpoint of the movie when that incinerary goes off in the train station. We <laughs> yeah. find out that fire just works slower in the yeah. shooting. Yeah, it's much slower. Uh, just at really a snail's pace. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, there was, there was a point uh, where even the people making this movie felt that their plan was too much. Uh, and that, that was in the... In the ice skating car chase, where oh, she's skating as fa- fast as a car already, uh, originally scripted, she was to do a uh, double axle backflip while firing the Uzi they to blow up, up the car. They should have gone with it. They really did. Apparently, the, the green screen, they couldn't make it look right, and, and they decided I guess not if to go it, that if, it, if it wouldn't have read right. But look, here's my thing. is like what you end up, what I end up going through with these kind of movies is like I don't start like – nitpicking the giant explosions and stuff it's like it's like you can't put on skates that fast fuck off nobody can believe me yeah you're getting a lot of nods over here also yeah a lot i guess everybody was like how'd she get the they showed her lacing up skates earlier as a process with her daughter and now she just like hops into them and she's just skating around no one has ever put on skate like professional hockey players have been (laughs) skating their entire lives still can't put on skates that fast nobody can yeah. Also, were they her daughter's skates? Like, <laughs> did they fit her? Apparently, apparently. <laughs> same size foot already. It's just like, wow, this is a gross spurt earlier. Well, also, oh, who wears the retainer the in the middle she of the day? She didn't have her own skates. Okay. No. That was my other question. Who wears the <laughs> uh, retainer like that yeah. in the middle of the day? To a Christmas party. To a Christmas party. Or the Christmas program. Yeah. To a Christmas pageant, yeah. and at that age, right? Yeah. Like, 
isn't a retainer a thing you usually wear after you've had braces or right. you have like she seems very young like in baby teeth still i don't know that uh, anyway yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I, I, none of it makes like sense except that they needed yeah it's just it's just it's like they didn't want to have the hairpin which is like i guess you know is the standard so they're like what's what's something clever that she could have instead what's what's something yeah. a mom would have yeah yeah, I think I I think Adam's right that the goal of that is to sort of see like the signifiers of momhood kind yeah, of kind right. of coming together sure. to be the thing that can save her and her daughter. Yeah. So I think that's probably so, yeah. just what the they baby did. doll yeah, and, and the, just, the matches she gave her earlier, right, as like a symbol of like I'll come back to you, and the matches are what brings right, her back right, to right, her, right, right? So, yeah, it just you know you are right that they kind of sacrificed uh, uh, <laughs> believability yeah, for. It just, it's the, weird the, to think the, that the, that is the believability when like literally with minutes like. People are being launched a thousand feet in the air by fireballs, and it's like, eh. it's true, it's true. So, so when she took out the retainer, I thought in my head, that's a little weird, and you know that doesn't exactly make a lot of sense to me. And then she poured the kerosene, and it like snaked over towards the barrels, and I was like, oh yeah, awesome, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so one's not more believable right. than the other, <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. no, for sure. Right. I was, yeah, was excited like, about the kerosene. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, the part, the part of the movie where Stephen last night, you said this really is a fantasy was when the president said he was diverting all military yeah. budget to healthcare. Yeah. So this is really, that weird. really, you know, helped to reframe. Yeah. Yeah. Adam and yeah. I were weirdly enough talking about this, like last week, because I was mentioning that I was rewatching Stargate, the, the, the TV series. Yes. And the first yes. couple, one, I watched a lot of that. Yeah. yeah. And, then, and the, yeah. the first couple seasons have this plot line, about like the yeah. military is going to cut off funding to this secret program, and you're like, this is completely unbelievable. I know. People traveling through a wormhole, believable. People getting the military. Well, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. The idea that the military is cutting off funding because they're like, you know, this is too dangerous. You're finding very dangerous weapons and diseases and stuff, yeah. and we don't want you to do that anymore. It's like, no, they would want that though. Right. They would right. really exactly. be happy about the results of this program. And, and so, and I were trying to. I was trying to talk through this with Adam because it's like. I feel like there's this really brief period in the mid to late 90s where, like, this was a plot line in movies and TV shows about, like, and, it, and I'm trying to remember, like, the zeitgeist of the time. It's, like, maybe there was, like, and, like, it, weirdly enough, at least in Stargate, it's, like, very clearly a hyper-conservative Republican who is pushing yeah. that line. And it's, like, what's going on here? Like, so. I have, a, I have a theory. I'm not a big political scientist, but there does seem like there's some sort of gap between the Cold War and 9-11 where it was like, you know, we don't, the military is like, maybe we actually don't need to be doing all this stuff, right? Like, you know, we're spending a lot on military for a threat that doesn't really exist. And, uh, you know, speaking of, you know, conspiracy theories, Bush did 9-11, right? This is actually a, a theory that people had about 9-11, mm-hmm. you know, five years after this movie came out, which is exactly that, that, that everybody thought the military was kind of not getting respected and they wanted to beef up the budget again. So they staged 9-11 to create all these military contracts for Bush's cronies and all that, right? So, so yeah, so the real world thing that, that makes this a plot in movies is also a thing that made it the thing that people believed about 9-11. Right, 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 right. right. It's right. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's just a really yeah. weird thing to see. And like when you go back and watch movies mm. from just only this era too, it's like just this that that block where, right right after the Cold yeah. War, right where it's like, well, and you never see it again. It never like this will never will never yeah. will never ever see this plot line again for the rest of our lives. It's done. Probably not. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I think it's it's also it is a weird point in time between 
the 93 uh, uh, Twin Towers bomb in the parking lot that really did nothing but blow a lot of smoke. And uh, and 9-11, where Hollywood is still willing to deconstruct uh, this idea of the Islamic terrorists being evil or right. all Muslims being right. Islamic terrorists. Because uh, there was that there was that uh, that movie Bruce Willis was in it and Tony Shalhoub was in it where they lock down New York uh, because of some Islamic threat and they uh, they create martial law in mm. in New York. Um, I can't remember the name of that, but I don't remember. You know, one. it obviously it did not happen after two thousand one. Yeah. Certainly. Um, well, it wasn't Bandits. It wasn't The Kid. The Siege? The Siege, yes. 1998's The Siege. Uh, yeah. And the, yeah, as I said, the plot line of The Siege is that there is a uh, suspected Islamic terrorist threat. Yeah. So they essentially uh, completely lock down the city, but also create a little ghetto for all of the Muslim inhabitants of the city, all the Arabs. Um, and that's just not something that three years later anyone would be willing yeah. to do well so i wonder what year the movie wag the dog came out but there definitely is this idea of like sort of faking war and disaster and like watchmen probably came out around this time too this idea of like faking a terrible terrible thing in order to like get what you want funding world whatever it is is like so prevalent in this time period maybe people were just kind of too happy <laughs> like yeah you're right you know, why, why just look, wag the dog was 1997 i remember that yeah that's yeah, yeah. it's yeah. right in that it's all window. the same time period yeah in those right. clinton years everybody's kind of doing okay and so movies are like but what if something very very bad happened and yeah. it was to make you sad <laughs> uh but even even something like uh, uh what's that film where uh pay it uh, forward no <laughs> yeah that's the answer that, mi- that, that might play play yeah. into this i guess actually but i was thinking of the movie about the two ex-presidents it's like a buddy comedy it's got a oh right uh, yeah the yeah, two yeah. popes <laughs> no <laughs> not the two popes um but it's got Walter Matthau and I think uh, grumpier old presidents. <laughs> yes, well, Basically. it essentially is grumpier old presidents. But uh, it's called it's called like like I don't know Bull Moose Creek or some some garbage <laughs> Bull, like that. Bull, Bull, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's uh, Bullworth too. Uh, oh, no, <laughs> it, no, it's um, <laughs> oh goodness. Uh, anyway, the plot of that movie, which I cannot remember the name of, is that uh, the vice president. Uh, who is pretending to be an idiot and is played by Dan Aykroyd uh, has actually been secretly plotting to assassinate the president. Uh, but it's it's a lighthearted buddy comedy about two ex-presidents traveling right. the country. And, uh, yeah. Um, Damn, maybe I it's can't, not, it's not Walter Matthau. Maybe that's my problem. Walter Matthau has been Gene in. Gene Hackman? I can't Hackman. find it. It could be Gene Hackman. Is it Welcome to Moosewood? No, it's not That's Welcome to Moosewood. That's what I was thinking of. <laughs> it is not Welcome to I'm, I'm trying to Moose look it up, Wood. too. There's just so many performances to go Let's through. Make, if, I can remem- if I'm remembering correctly that the vice president is Dan Aykroyd, maybe we, maybe we do have an in if I can get one actor who is actually in this movie. Well, I think turning it... Oh, man. I think that you are highlighting, I think there is sort of like a real theme of like... Um, you know, I think this is an era of people sort of believing that politicians actually can be good. And in a lot of ways, sort of the scene where the president's like, I'm going to defund your, your CIA program in order to fund 
um, this healthcare thing feels very much like a you know I'm Bill Clinton and not Richard Nixon. You know what I mean? Like a like right. a it's, I don't know. It's a very Aaron Sorkin-y kind of right, uh, right. like politics. Right. Know? Yeah. yeah. Anyway. And, well, and we, keep uh, in mind, Aaron Sorkin is very much of this era as well. Like despite finding yeah. out that it like you know technically West Wing comes out later than this, but it feels of this era. Like West Wing, no matter how you count, like read it reads as though it was all written during. Well, eh, there's reasons for that, but like was written during the 90s. You know, it, it feels of this era as well. Right. Yeah, I am. I am misremembering a lot of plot details, but the movie is my fellow Americans, uh, and it actually stars Jack Lemmon and James Garner, which makes sense to the other people we threw out as possibly <laughs> being in that movie. It's also uh, it's also got Bradley Whitford in there too. Yeah, and Wilford Brimley. Yeah, yeah. and Brett Whit Will. Whitford Brim Whitford Bradley. <laughs> <laughs> well, just uh, just a lot of the folks you would expect to see in a political thriller of the time yeah. period. Directed by the guy who directed Fifty First Dates. Oh, so. there you go. Yeah, great for Does him. Does it also Tommy have Boy. an amnesia thing going on? I assume. Mm. <laughs> yes. <laughs> we should. Anyway, <laughs> should get into amnesia movies. That should yeah. be our next. Yeah, thing. it could be a list uh, time. <laughs> Uncomfortable. Well, hopefully, I'll go. I'll go back and revisit my fellow Americans, and we'll see if it takes place uh, weirdly around a holiday. And uh, well, yes, we can do. One thing I appreciated about the amnesia in this movie is, you know, the old Gilligan's Island trope of like you get hit by a coconut and you lose your memory, and you get hit again and you get it back. Yeah. So yeah, so you know, she got in a car accident, which is basically the Gilligan's Island coconut hit of like a Shane Black movie, right? Where she just like she gets an accident, flies through a window, and her Christmas sweater is stained with blood, (laughs) and she breaks a deer's neck, and that's the that's her getting hit by a coconut in Shane Black's world. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, it wasn't it wasn't a pair because she didn't. The amnesia was not caused by a car no, accident; it was true. caused yeah. by a, a bullet to the brain. Well, it was not caused by a, a thing, Christmas right? accident. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, fair enough. <laughs> Though we didn't establish if it was eight years exactly. Maybe it maybe it was Christmassy where she was shot in yeah. the head on the on the cliff above the <laughs> above the ocean. <laughs> Missed opportunity, Shane Black. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm just, just had the, uh, the, the cliff... had a fishing boat out there with Christmas yeah. lights on it. <laughs> the the cliff. The cliff bullet wound amnesia is really is really kind of a wild card anyway because like it seems to just graze the side of her head and then like trauma does the right. rest. I'm not real clear on uh, you know because like well, maybe no she did hit her head on a coconut in yeah. the ocean. That's a pot. Yep, Could yep. Be yep. A, yep. There you go. An ocean yeah. coconut. Classic. Coconuts can float. That's how they get around. Mm-hmm. Oh, I thought it sentiently. was sentiently. They travel. But, um, <laughs> Yeah, she hit she hit a swallow carrying a coconut <laughs> right. in the air as she was falling exactly. off. The you probably couldn't see because the scene's kind of dark, but yeah, it happened. But that it did happens. happen. <laughs> so one of the things that struck me about this movie is that how it's both completely every scene is essentially unexpected and also hyper predictable. So mm-hmm. I when yes. I thought the movie was over, so like. It was when they were fighting up on top of the bridge or whatever, and the bad guy falls in the river. And I was like, and I said to myself, literally out loud, wouldn't it be funny if he comes back as like a cyber, like in, as like a <laughs> cybernetic killer? And then, and then like a scene and a half later, he's like back, like getting on a helicopter. I was like, well, he's not cybernetic, but like I feel like, I feel like this paid off really well. Yeah, uh, he refuses to die, um, which. Uh, it's a thing Shane Black would make fun of in his next movie about multiple endings. Uh, uh, 
uh, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, another right. another of the uh, another of our our previous holiday yeah. episodes. Christmas classics. Uh, yeah. But he talks about you know they make a joke of it. He's like, oh, we saw we saw Lord of the Rings. We're not going to end this movie eight times. Uh, but Shane Black had done that in this movie. Right. Right. <laughs> sort of. See, but yeah. here's the thing: is think about this. There's an alternate universe where this movie does well, and we get a sequel to this movie, like a direct sequel, and that guy does come back as a Robo Man. I think. I think there's, there has been constant rumors of one being in development. Uh, why? <laughs> I, I like it, but I don't. Who is like this movie? This this movie specifically needs a sequel. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, originally I, I the last page of Black's it. original 1994 script stated that there would be a sequel, a sequel called The Kiss After Lightning, which never happened. A possible oh sequel sequel has been in work since 2007, but nothing definite. So. This does make me sort of wonder if you ask Shane Black what his favorite movies he's worked on are, that makes it sound like this one's like one of his like his favorites. You know what I mean? Like you must yeah. you must think about. I it think all the Sam time. Jackson said that yeah. that this was his favorite role. I, mean, I buy that he's awesome in this. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's got I'm sure this was very very fun to work on for basically everybody involved except for possibly that child. Yeah. <laughs> is if this would work really well as like a tv show or something like i would watch a hundred one-hour episodes of like you know sam jackson and this wait what if what if the plot of the tv show was wasn't they couldn't get gina davis because she had her own tv show after this so it's just sam jackson befriending different amnesiacs that's the only way you could do this show Every single one is is, yeah. is, is Sam, Samuel Jackson quantum leaping through different sort of amnesiac uh, <laughs> lives. I love it. <laughs> yeah, that's not that's not bad at all. Um, uh, what about a what about a uh, born universe crossover? Oh yeah, uh, with Sam Jackson and I guess Brian Cox could be there also. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Beautiful. They'd be like, you look it's like a just... born, yeah, it's a yeah. born prequel with Brian. Yeah, okay, this is coming together. We, we yeah, find out that the really name is. of the born program is the same. It's the oh, same yeah, program. chapter. Chapter, yeah. What is the name of it? It doesn't matter. Anyway, it's just the same program. She's, yeah. a, she's a born. Yeah. Treadwell. Yeah. Treadwell, yeah. There you go. Um, actually actually pat to to the little girl being uh being possibly the only person not having uh fun in here uh she does come back to work with shane black she's uh she's got a bit role in the nice guys she's a hostage uh, and iron man 3 and iron man 3 yes yeah um we all know what this means but yes she does however play a character called young porn queen in the nice guys hmm. uh so uh, Shane cool. Black, Shane Blacking. Yeah, right. Uh, yeah, Christmas porn queen. <laughs> that is <laughs> sexy reindeer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Kiss, kiss, bang, bang. I was, uh, I was about to say that's one aspect of this movie that isn't very Shane Blacky, but there is actually. Oh, it sure a lot is. Of, yeah. In fact, so I, I think I'm, I'm interested to share maybe some of uh, one of my favorite kind of lines from it. So yes, I think absolutely. I observed early on that this movie was was not necessarily very kind but very very funny and like fun to watch um and so you know his like secretary woman slash she plays a prostitute whatever or maybe is a prostitute i don't know um says something like all these other detectives looked into this and didn't find dick and samuel L. jackson says it took a true dick hunter to find <laughs> yeah, something. yeah yeah i think i, I think was <laughs> i believe the line is dick hound Dick Hound, yeah, <laughs> it's so funny. It's again not kind and yeah. you know misogynistic, but but yeah, those kind of lines. It really well. That's yeah, that's the thing, right? Ones. Is that plays right into this to, into Shane Black being like 
a just more vulgar and violent Aaron Sorkin because like if you PG up that line, you get a line from the West Wing. That's true. Yeah, the West Wing was not famously like unsexist, right? Yeah. Yeah. But it was just like sort of liberal about it. Yeah. <laughs> I think I, another line that feels like that to me, and and feels like it could be, uh, you know, a Sorkin turned up in a different way, is uh, where. Uh, Jackson's talking about putting the gun in his pants and he says, oh, I'm going to shoot... What, you want me to shoot my dick off? And uh, and she says, oh, now you're a sharpshooter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and it's, just, it's, it's very mean. So it's very funny. funny. <laughs> uh, I love it. Um, but yeah, uh, I really, really loved where Jackson starts his background story about uh, being the only good cop framed for stealing yeah. and then says, oh, yeah, it, of course I stole the thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah, uh, I was, I was, I had actually already started to write how disappointed I was that they went with that backstory, uh, so common of a thing, and then he subverted it. And, it yeah. Okay, thanks, Shane. I know this movie is really good at like, and I think Shane Black in general is good at yeah. sort of like subverting these very actiony tropes. Yeah. Um, in a way that you know, there were a lot of like uh, '90s and early 2000s uh, slick gangstery actiony comedies, right? And like. You know, uh, I think Shane Black does him better than anybody. I mean, yeah. what, what's the other guy who does him? Like, be cool. Was it Elmore? Not Elmore Leonard. I he was. He wrote that book anyway. Yeah, that yeah. That was Barry Sonnenfeld. Yeah, yeah. I I always find myself slightly <laughs> disappointed with those movies, but Shane Black ones, I never walk out thinking, why wasn't this like more fun? You know, uh, more sort of slick. Uh, they always get it right with these movies. I think. Uh. I don't know. Just Barry Sonnefeld just makes me think of uh, that uh, that Tim Allen movie based on the, the Big uh, Trouble. Big Trouble. Yeah, the Dave Barry, the Dave Barry penned movie, which, by the way, had the tone of one of those like nineties slick gangster really, yeah, things. Yeah, does does, <laughs> and uh, maybe would have benefited from a punch up from Shane Black. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Well, wasn't that one also famously uh, delayed by nine eleven, like by a year? Yes. They, yes. They, that, they like, it was oh, a little we late can't to put that this party out, too. Yeah. And then you yeah, watch it and you're uh, like, it, I actually don't understand why you why you delayed this. this is, <laughs> there's no relationship here at all. I don't understand why you released this. Anyway. <laughs> uh, it was it was for me to watch and enjoy. Yeah. I, I really love Big I Trouble. Big I really Trouble. do. I think I'm on the same page with, with my friends here very often, but that is that is one where we differ from yeah, each other. Yeah. Well, but I don't know if you saw it when you were 13 or no, whatever. Right, 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 right. That's right, an important element different. of it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Different experience to seeing it fresh at a at a bad movie night uh, yeah, last year. Yeah, as, a, <laughs> yeah. as a fully as a full grown adult who has like good ideas and thoughts, instead <laughs> of a thirteen year old, this is like this is fair enough. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, I know. The thing is, though, like if you're ready for like if you're in that bad idea state and you got big trouble and like this movie, yeah, I don't know. Uh, I don't know. There's something very satisfying about the way Shane Black writes a script. Mm. That, <laughs> yeah. I don't yeah. know if anybody else had other favorite lines or anything. Well, yeah. I just, I, I feel like in general, uh, and maybe it was, maybe it was originally written this way. Maybe wrote, wrote it with Samuel Jackson in mind, mm. but it really does seem like Samuel Jackson is playing Shane Black, making a Tarantino character. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm, yeah. They also, they also did a, a trunk shot when they were going to murder her, yes, right? Yes, so. they did. There are some other Tarantino sort of references in the movie, too. Yeah. Uh, 
plus just the weird ultra violence mm-hmm. like is is very much yeah but here's no the thing feet. though it's like this ultra no violence this ultra violence is just so much more fun than the tarantino ultra violence is for me like i i derive no pleasure from the tarantino ultra violence really at all especially not as i've gotten older but like this was legitimately kind of fun to be involved in like you're like because it's just so over yeah. the top but not in like necessarily gross ways but i don't know it's just a different feeling i thought i thought the gunfight in the lobby of the train station was a little gross uh just there's a lot of collateral damage for for well, little yeah. payoff yeah in any manner yeah, it did, it did seem like a lot of civilian death, but yeah. but but wow. I do. But I, otherwise, Pat, I generally do agree with you, right? That like you know, watching a Tarantino scene, uh, you, it it some somehow starts to feel like Tarantino is kind of daring you to have fun, you know, like yeah. watching something disgusting happen. Right. Uh, and you never get that feeling in this movie. When it goes over the line, it's because you you imagine someone in a writer's room or or a production meeting was like, we could just make it so big. There's explosions everywhere, and people are jumping all around, and there's a gun hidden in the pocket, and right. So whereas with Tarantino, it's like, yeah, how cool would it be to have people like listening to a cool song while a yeah. guy gets his ear ripped off, <laughs> or what while, while we uh, slam a woman's head into a table for five minutes and right. zoom in on it. Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's a, there's yeah. just a different feeling. You get the yeah. You just get this like it feels like when you watch a Tarantino movie and the vi- you get into the violence. It feels like it's telling you something about Tarantino that makes you want to maybe like make oh, sure yeah. your phone's got nine one and you know nine and one already dialed. I'm telling you, this is the, this is why I can't watch I can't watch Tarantino movies anymore because he's just movie after movie demonstrating that this is not about him making entertainment for other people. It's about him making entertainment for himself. Yeah. Right? It's like his favorite movies with like feet and like an ad for the book he's gonna write and like you know like the kind of violence he likes to look at. And it just yeah, it doesn't feel like he's making movies for people to watch him anymore. Right. <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't know that. I don't know that Shane Black necessarily isn't doing that as well, though. Right? Yeah, I think that's he true. Just, he just got he's, lucky. Yeah, he's that just we also like it with Christmas instead of <laughs> yeah, yeah. So. Which I apparently reads better, as it turns out. Yeah, right? or uh, we like it better, or whatever. <laughs> I don't know. It's that, maybe that says something that that uh, a foot fetish is is less mainstream than a Christmas fetish. <laughs> well, I mean, to be fair, the entirety of America has a has a Christmas fetish anyway. So there you yeah. go. The right, problem right, solved. Right. Ra- raised. Raised Orthodox Jewish, really into Christmas. Don't know what to tell you. <laughs> there you go. Uh, you know, it's just the zeitgeist. Uh, mm-hmm. Speaking of 9-11 conspiracies. Um, <laughs> we'll come back around. Uh, uh, man, Loose Change was the better movie anyway. It doesn't matter. Uh, <laughs> that, are they going to put Loose Change in the Criterion Collection? I hope. I hope. <laughs> oh, man. I would... I made myself sad. <laughs> We're all sad. <laughs> anyway, uh, other other great bits uh, when the uh, when the the one eyed guy with the shotgun comes in and Home Alone's himself in the, <laughs> yes, it's in pretty the great. Yeah. Foyer to the house is very good. Uh, yeah, you know, fun. just you know, classic reference to a classic uh, Christmas movie. And another sort of like you know, uh, terror descends on a on a suburban safe family right, environment. Right, 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 right. I yeah, I did I did appreciate how this movie sort of uh, turns backwards the trope of like someone who got out of the life 
you know, and uh, as has their domestic bliss and like doesn't want to, their old life is going to like catch up to them or whatever. And like the moment where I really felt that subversion is when she's like breaking into her own house. So it's like we're seeing from the perspective of the old past catching up. Yeah. Uh, but it's actually her like catching up to herself. Anyway, it was very satisfying. <laughs> yeah. Yes. And uh, I don't know, just the whole framing of her knowing nothing about her past and trying to investigate her past just works so well for a noir where mm. she doesn't know who to trust and keeps accidentally trusting the wrong people, right? Right. Uh, and the the first person they meet who they actively don't trust is the one guy they should have trusted. Right. It's, you know, it's 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 very classic film noir in that yeah. sense, too. There's a lot of, like, interesting things like that going on in here, too. Like, I was, you know, to go back to, like, the idea of, like, sort of subverting some of the things that would normally happen in a movie like this. I'm also fascinated by the fact that, like, she... We go through an entire phase where she, like, doesn't, like, want... Does, at least is it kind of running from her old life, but also, like, you know, not, like... Not her old life, but her, like, domestic bliss life. You know what I mean? Like, where she's, right. like, actively, like, no, that's a bullshit. I'm not going to back to that. Which, like, I don't know. I, I feel like a lot of times when you go through these movies... This in this sort of thing, they're like, oh, I just want to get back to that peace and quiet I had in that place, and she's like, and whether or not it's like a sort of like, you know, for whatever reason, this one chooses to go like that other way, which is kind of interesting. It's like, oh, she's yeah. like, and like Samuel L. Jackson almost kind of has to, he's not actually talking her into it because we end up finding out that she did like that as well, but like, we kind of go through this whole like denial phase about that or something like that, which is kind of interesting. Absolutely. Yeah, I think that's a that's a great observation. The idea that the the old life that that is kind of calling her back in the end is the domestic life, not right. the spy life. Yeah, right. Yeah, it's really that's yeah, yeah. It just doesn't cool. feel like it follows the normal pattern for these kinds of, these kind of you know what I mean. Because like, if you look at like something like the Born Identity or something, or, you know, one of the Born movies, they don't. It's a very this is a much more complicated like character development arc, oddly enough, than like one of those classic yeah. like oh i got out of the life and now it's drawing me back in kind of story so yeah where where that makes me feel weird is that well not <laughs> no just a, i'm excited to hear it yeah <laughs> i just feel like given the rest of shane black's career i want to see more stuff like this mm-hmm. with a complicated female lead with uh that you know Shane Black wrote this on his own, according to the credits. You know, he didn't have a co-writer this time. And she's a fantastic character, right? And it's a fantastic character that really doesn't exist in any other Shane Black movie. Not just because most of his other female characters are side notes to what's happening with the men. Porn queens. Porn queens. (laughs) Uh, Reindeer strippers, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But, But also because even his male characters really don't have... Arcs like this, yeah, right, yeah. I I think that uh, uh, in ways that in some ways this is a very Shane Blackie movie, and also in a lot of ways it's like the thing that I could have salvaged him out of like the Shane Black milieu into like right. writing some very. And so I was when I when I think about uh, Shane Black movies, I actually think about In Bruges as like you know the sort of like logical artsy ending of a Shane Black <laughs> career, right? Yeah, because it takes place at Christmas. It's about like reckoning with the past and like killers and sex and there's like a you know there's like a, a little person in it for no reason, right? <laughs> right. You know, like uh, it feels just very Shane Blackie, <laughs> right? Right. Uh, but it's like but it's received as being like one of these sort of like great 
great films of all time. And I think this movie, in a lot of ways, starts to get close to what Shane Black could accomplish if he sort of like take. I don't want. I don't. Not saying I want him to, because we have in Bruges. We don't need Shane Black's in Bruges. Right. But I guess I'm just thinking about you know what you're saying, Adam. Is this is like a step towards that maybe more sophisticated, you know, deep dive on character right. emotions right. and things like that. Yeah. Right. Instead of sort of right. running away from character arcs, he actually like. Went, headed towards it instead and kind of actually embraced right. it as an idea and yeah it, as a thing that you can put in movies yeah it, it <laughs> seems like it seems like the one victim of this movie not being received well is Shane Black's writing career mm. yeah. because he doesn't he doesn't come back for uh, for a couple of years for it's uh, like it's uh, 10 years almost I yeah. think he did that on purpose I think yeah uh, he got like a four million dollar check for something and other writers in the community were like what the fuck <laughs> and oh. he he seemed to voluntarily step back for a while hmm. yeah well he doesn't come back for till kiss kiss bang bang where he also directs right hmm. uh so you know he ends up uh spending a long time on one story and uh and also it's the first time i think that's his first directorial uh yeah yeah it's definitely his first his first directing not Very that he you know he didn't direct again until iron man 3 then which was 12 years after that but or eight years i can't do math i went the wrong way but uh added to instead of subtracted anyway um but yeah so yeah it just feels like to me that this movie is in line with what shane black was doing prior uh and is in the realm of what shane black does generally but, you know, if he hadn't decided to take that break, he might have been making things like In Rouge rather than The Predator. Uh, Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. I don't, I, in, in the end, I don't know necessarily that I'm sort of observing, like, there's a there's a true art way to make movies. Right, right, right. Black right. I, I don't, close I don't. or whatever, yeah. It just it just does feel a little like this is this is a step in a direction that you're right. I don't know yeah. that we really see him keep going down. Right. Yeah. And I'm not Shane Black's fine. Yeah. I'm not <laughs> I'm not saying Shane Black needs to make In Bruges yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> or or anything adjacent to In Bruges, but I just feel like this movie is closer to that than anything else Shane Black made before or since. Yeah, I think that's right. Um, yeah. Yep. I, I am I, saying he should. I think he should direct <laughs> In Bruges yeah. too. <laughs> Yeah, I don't what uh, I don't I don't even want to speculate yeah, about the plot. Imagine, yeah. No, too. you you should because it's a it'll take you in such weird directions. Like, how would that work? If this makes any sense. Uh, Shane Black apparently currently working on a Doc Savage movie. Uh, I don't I don't know what that is. It's like a '30s pulp hero kind of guy. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. I'll take that. That sounds like I, a good well, match. Well, I, I hope it's as good as all the other movies that have been made about pulp, uh, 30s pulp here. <laughs> yeah, They've The Phantom, The Shadow. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> not, not, Real classics like, of the comic the, book the genre. The Spirit. Yeah. They've uh, all worked yeah. out perfectly. <laughs> I think they've worked out fine. I don't yeah, know if, yeah. I don't know if well, they hold up super well, but I think they've... I, I, I'm, just, yeah, I'm just <laughs> thinking about like some, some of the real... There's been some real stinkers, so... I, so I would say that uh, if, if Shane, yeah, fair enough. I think if Shane Black made, I think if Shane Black made a movie that's online with all of those other movies, it would not feel out of place within Shane Black's. No, career. not at all. So right, 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 right. I don't know what I'm expecting beyond one of those. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, 
is this the most Rennie Harlan-esque Hen- Rennie Harlan movie? Yeah, so I'm, is, I'm looking uh, at the list, and I don't know how to tell. Right, uh, right. <laughs> I, do, I do think that I know Deep Blue Sea the best of these movies, but yeah. I certainly have not seen, you know, Skip Trace is one people might mention. Uh, I've seen this one that's called Prison, which is a Rennie Harlan movie. Did we watch that? On, yeah, we watched that of, on stream. One of yeah. the streams we watched. Yeah, where a, a monster is created from like the bad <laughs> oh, yes, energy yes, in a. In a yes. I forgot. God, God that was good. a. That was a. <laughs> okay, so he's made some super stinkers, actually. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, not to say that that wasn't fun to watch, but like, God, it was bad. How, yeah. how did he? How did he get? Die Hard 2 after that. Um, Gosh, let's look at this. Yeah, in well, chronological. It was, it was Prison, then uh, Nightmare on Elm Street 4, which I suppose makes sense, and then Die Hard 2. Uh, wow. Yeah. Uh, but Cutthroat Island, Long Kiss Goodnight, Deep Blue Sea. Um, oh, yeah, The Exorcist prequel. Exorcist the beginning. Ben, did you ever see that? I never did. No. Um, yeah. A couple episodes of Burn Notice uh, he directed, which is... Some- just a lot of just a lot of garbage here. yeah a lot of garbage some yeah. random finish things yeah it does seem sort of like um deep blue sea might have been like his, his pe- last oh, Mindhunters was so bad was I, it? I really don't like that movie <laughs> this i is remember the cover of Mindhunters. i don't think i ever saw the movie this is the Mindhunters with uh, with val it. kilmer in it yeah. uh yes uh Johnny Lee Miller and yeah and LL Cool J and Christian Slater I do interesting not. cast I mean listen oh Val Kilmer is in it so yeah. yeah but yeah I actually only recently uh watched a scene from Hackers and I saw Johnny Lee Miller in it I was like wait a second <laughs> that guy's British what and I bet anyway. yeah uh so yeah I'm, I'm rediscovering Johnny Lee Miller. maybe I'll watch Mindhunters just to roll out my Rennie Harlan uh bingo card or whatever. yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> Uh, man yeah um blast from the past was a fun movie yeah but oh yeah that's probably this and blast from the past are the most fun movies i think on that's this probably list, right certainly. Well, I, I mean, mean I think if i'm looking did, at a, a, wait did he he made cliffhanger which is extremely yeah, well I, known i'm not saying it's a necessarily a, I, it's, it's for movies about falling off mountains it's pretty good <laughs> i have not i've not seen that one but uh yeah the last time I watched uh, Cliffhanger was in like for some, me, something like yeah. early 2000s on USA, so I don't really remember. For, great, for John Lithgow villain roles, Cliffhanger is definitely one yeah. of them. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and the other is uh, Buckaroo Banzai. Yeah. And uh, there, there was a season oh. of, uh, of uh, what, that Dexter. serial killer movie, Dexter. Yeah, well, and I, he also was in another prison movie uh, where he was sort of a bad guy in it, but I don't remember what that one is. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway. You know, watching watching John Lithgow chew the scenery as a uh, as a uh, villain, particularly when that scenery is a large mountain, uh, is uh, is cool. fun. <laughs> fun uh, yeah, I think if someone said, "What's the first Rennie Harlan movie I should watch?" I might actually recommend this one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I think that's that's smart. Um, I just I look forward to the Rennie Harlan box set, and yeah, yeah, we absolutely. get the background information, interviews with with Shane, interviews with Samuel L. Jackson. Uh, probably not Gina Davis. Probably not Gina Davis. <laughs> uh, yeah, she went. She did go right back to playing quirky moms, uh, but not action stars. <laughs> well, I mean, because they got divorced. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Listen, Criterion sometimes interviews uh, 
the ex-wives of, yeah, of directors. Criterion's not, not, it's not unheard of Criterion to actually seek out people who might have a, have a grudge against the person who made the movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hmm. I'd be very interested to to, to watch this with, with her commentary if they yeah. did something like that, yeah. Uh, I wonder if there, if a copy of this does exist with a commentary track from, from just her instead of God. anyone else. That'd be nice. <laughs> Yeah, present day her. Also. Present day her, yes. Yeah, that'd be that'd be. We could kickstart. That could be your first production or commander in chief era hers. Uh, she uh, she played the president on a TV series that oh, right. I yeah. barely remember. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I've not seen most stuff, so it is interesting right, that right, my right, like right. movie knowledge. I've seen. It's weird. I've seen a lot of movies, but uh, for some reason, I've never seen. I can't think of anything else I've seen her in. Well, anyway. but like she also uh, can have that effect depending on the role where she just sort of like it evaporates from your mind relatively quickly that that was Gina Davis. Like it, like. Well, I think she. she has I think she's actually kind of just a fantastic where... actress who disappears into her roles really well. Right. Uh, like well, it's it's hard to. Th- she's Thelma and Thelma and Louise. Right. She's, exactly. That's what I'm talking about. The main character like, in League of Their Own. You know, I've not seen just... that. So like, I've not seen either of those two movies that you mentioned. Yeah. Yeah. So I've just not seen. I there's like a whole era of movies that I guess I like a lot of people have seen, and I've just not seen a lot of them. Right, right, right. Uh, and I'm I so surprise, surprise. The area where I've seen a lot of movies is like the you know 2000s, 2010s when I was in like you know college, whatever. Um, and yeah. Uh, anyway, I, I I enjoyed this a lot. I wish she did more action stuff. So if there's another. Uh, Gina Davis action movie. I'd be very interested in watching that. Cutthroat Island. Yeah, maybe we gotta watch Cutthroat Island. Well, maybe maybe if they make Stuart Little four, that'll be all action oriented. <laughs> well, I think there was a there Wait, was Stuart a, Little a car three? chase scene in one of the Stuart Little movies. Is Stuart Little three an animated movie? It appears. Uh, Stuart Little two is. was an animated movie, and they had all I been animated after that. Was it? Yeah. Really? I didn't know that. Yeah. Actually, this may come as a shock to you. Uh, Stuart Little one's also. Uh, the most important part is animated. Yeah. I, Stuart I, Little. I'm aware. <laughs> so I don't, I don't know what we're missing. <laughs> no. Talking about. Uh, no, they I, are. Like the rest of the Stuart cartoon. Little movies are like hand-drawn I totally, I get what you're saying. I'm, to, what yeah. we call in the business shit posting. Yes, um, yes, that's fair. Yeah. Uh, be online less <laughs> yeah. for a moment. Fair enough. No. Uh, <laughs> I never stop. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, never surrender. <laughs> yes. Never give up. Uh, yeah. All uh, right. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm trying to think what other things that I had in my brain that I wanted to make sure we talked about with this movie. Uh, Brian Cox saying Hills Brothers Bean Buyer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, got to make sure we yes, talk about that. Yes, yeah. uh, that's really all I have to say about it. But yeah. <laughs> uh, A plus would watch again. Brian Cox doing Shane Black's writing is was very pleasant to watch. Yeah, yeah just like this. Sort of, or uh, or the the one about the dog. That dog has been licking his asshole <laughs> yeah. for four it's, hours. It's introduction, and there's only an hour's worth of content. Or yeah. whatever. Yes. yes, and there's nothing in there that merits more than one hour's attention or something yeah. like that. Yeah, it's so funny. <laughs> yeah, uh, and like how he's introduced as like this weird domestic movie. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, the everybody... funny thing about him, though, is that because I've become, I don't know if it would be accurate at the time this movie was written, but now I process him with purely like, oh, yeah, he works for the CIA brain. <laughs> yeah. Like, I don't ever see him yeah. in a movie and I'll be like, oh, that guy works for the CIA. 
like I don't know if that was true in 1990 whatever like 1996 <laughs> I don't know but like now that is exactly what I go through every time I, I process him as like you know a leading part in a Shakespeare play about a king or whatever yeah, yeah. I mean so hey, I think of his I think of him as having like a lot of gravitas and this kind of thing like being quote unquote below him, but it obviously isn't. It's just, right. it's great. It makes it fun to watch those kinds of scenes, you know? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's like Kenneth Branagh in yeah. anything that isn't Shakespeare. Like, it's yeah, just, yeah. what's he doing here? And I love that he's here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. It's a fun movie. It's, is it a Christmas movie? I say yes. Uh, ben says Ben I, says yes. Ben, I would like to hear of... you elaborate on what makes a Christmas movie a Christmas movie. Yeah, what are the criteria for, for it? Uh, her initials are S C. Okay, we've gone for the Santa Claus. Yeah, I see. Yeah. No, well, the the stupid thought that I had while watching when when she sort of comes out of her amnesia, and knowing the arc that she sort of ends up back at at momhood. Um, I was trying to to backfill three ghosts <laughs> in, into that into that story. Okay, and so um, you know, it seemed to me like uh, David Morse, uh, the guy who plays Daedalus, yeah, could be the ghost of Christmas past. Makes sense. And then perhaps Sam Jackson is the ghost of Christmas present. <laughs> And then her daughter is the ghost of Christmas future. Makes yeah, sense. you know, giant yeah. skeleton man. Yep. Yeah. yeah. And then uh, uh, she be- she has, uh, sh- yeah, she becomes unscrooged. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. She does. Dang. She does unscrooge. You know yeah. what's what's actually kind of funny is, honestly speaking, I think you could probably make an argument for all of these Shane Black Christmas movies actually being Christmas movies. I mean, you know, people want to be like kind of weird about Die Hard, but like. Every one of them is essentially about a person learning a lesson, like an important, like sort of life moral in a weird way. Even though, not, not just that. Go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, not just that. It's mostly them learning a lesson about sort of like how family is very right, important, right? Yeah. right? And like, yeah, um, you know. Anyway, so I think I think that um, so I asked the question again, and I think it comes up every time we do this. Has Shane Black ever talked about his obsession with Christmas? And I did find I think the article we find every time. Uh, yeah. which is, and I'll recap for the audience, whatever, uh, who may not remember because I didn't remember. Yeah. So he d- he does say some stuff about Christmas in L.A. is especially very interesting to him, right? The idea that this is a, a slower and more introspective time where things seem to be sort of suspended in time, um, which is definitely a theme in the way he likes to think, right? Like things are kind of, you don't know how long things are taking. It's kind of an unknown, sort of everybody's in sus- a suspended space with each other. Um, and people do introspection and learn the value of the things in their life that they maybe weren't paying attention to. And he talked about uh, sort of like lit up Jesus figurine hanging from a taco truck where it's like kind of Christmas is there, but it's and it's part of what's going on, but it's kind of hidden, you know, behind like the things that you're seeing and, and it's not so, so intrusive into the movie. And so in that way, so I find that all very sort of like appealing as a way of describing Christmas's right. role in movies and in, in culture and especially in Shane Black's movies. So I thought I'd put that in there as we start talking about Shane Black and Christmas again. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I remember talking. Yeah, yeah, I remember that like us talking about that last time. Like, and, and but I think actually in reality though, he embraces that 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 Jesus figurine hanging in the window a little bit more than he wants to believe he does. 
maybe. Oh, a hundred. Yeah, he was saying he likes that a lot. So I think you're exactly right. I mean, he's into it. I mean, he like he. Um, I think if Shane Black would have his way, he would make movies that are not Christmas movies, but that just have Christmas happening in them. Right. <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and that's yeah. that's that is generally sort of how it happens. That's right. right? And I think this one is the most Christmassy. I right. mean, like. You know, like there's just like there's two Christmas parades in it. Yeah, you yeah, know, he, there's yeah. Uh, two weeks apart. Yeah, <laughs> yes. Yeah, this he is, definitely this movie buys is drenched in Christmas. Yeah. yeah, this music has so much Christmas music on the soundtrack. It has two different groups of carolers. It had like it's just like so loaded with Christmas well, business. And we right. also see the start of his weird reindeer fetish uh, here when those reindeer oh. appear outside the car <laughs> and they, she almost hits them. And- yeah, he's got a he's got a thing going on with reindeers as well. Yeah, there definitely is some some deer content. That <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's actually yeah, needs quite a bit to be of squared with that. Actually. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> some deer deer content. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, the escaping to Canada as as part of Christmas too. Uh, a, a Christmas tradition. North. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> Oh yeah, the North Pole. Yeah, Canada, all right. Canada Association with the with the North Pole, uh, <laughs> probably is what I'm going for there. Uh, hey, okay, so sorry. No, actually, going... I only. Oh, go ahead. Sorry, you're probably about to say this, but but now that I've mentioned Canada, the fact that the Canadian authorities seem seem not at all interested in what's going on on the Rainbow Bridge. No, yeah, um, they, like, on Christmas I, Eve. I feel like there's a that's saying something about Canada. They're trying to make some sort of point about Canada. It's like, you know what? Whatever those Americans are doing is none of our fucking business. Just you don't want to be involved. Well, I well, I hopefully hopefully the border was closed because the uh the border guard stations blow up. Um, well, with, I mean, as with far little as we can warnings, tell, whoever was manning them. As far as we can tell, it is. There appears yeah. to be so this is- nobody on their side. Yeah, so this is something I was curious about. So it seemed to me like the plan uh, was to drive the truck onto the bridge and blow it up. And uh, at the end of the movie, the the government thanks her for thwarting a terrorist attack that still happened. Well, no, they and were going to blow it up in the middle like, of so, town and kill like four thousand. Oh, in the middle of town. Yeah, okay, right, right. okay. So I guess like, I mean, like to the net bridge. positive, right? Yeah. I mean, I guess so. Yeah. yeah. No, that's fair enough. Yeah, I don't know. I, yeah, I to me. Okay, I was about to say something I shouldn't say on this podcast. Uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, if I say it, coward. It, uh, if I, which I am not, but if I were trying to orchestrate a plot <laughs> in order to cause terror on American citizens, uh, one way to do that might be to like detonate uh, a truck in the middle of a Christmas parade in in a right. small town, essentially, right. um, or to blow up like a notable piece of architecture like connecting america to canada you don't have as many people die but like i don't know that you yeah, know that has more impact in my it, it still functions right yeah so like, she kind of made their terrorist attack like more yeah. <laughs> in, you know it, notable it or killed significantly fewer people yeah uh but it still it still did a thing yeah. that would increase like just the sheer amount of people who have already died in this movie that's right. Is right. enough to justify a military. I know. If you count up increase. the death toll, it probably is the, the population of that small town. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they they killed at least 20 people in a random small town train station. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is right. a line of bodies out of her house, out of that farmhouse in New Jersey. And right, then right. dozens, dozens of dead people around Niagara, New York. 
uh, even before a truck blows yeah. up. Keep in plus, mind, plus though, one old man incinerated in a in a car <laughs> yes. that we never hear about again. <laughs> yeah, we never hear about again. <laughs> yes. Well, the, and a deer, the, and a deer, <laughs> and, and a deer. deer. <laughs> it's just left out there in, in the cold. Uh, now, the thing about it is, though, is this movie very much buys into that. Like, well, all the bad guy bodies count for zero, uh, zero like total right like, right oh, they don't care <laughs> right, like, right, right. nobody would be concerned about them it's like except for like we get that one news like news article like on the on the news where they're like all these yeah, the bodies the we found in the farm it's like and he yeah. says something like we don't know what's going on here or something like that <laughs> well, yeah right. it's a really weird scene because they also show like the corner shoving a head into the into the body bag and i'm like they, up wait, close what is on this tv <laughs> I thought that same thing. I was like, what is this news report? (laughs) What if, what if we're reading this wrong? Is this is actually a reactionary movie claiming that America did not react properly and with enough gusto to the 1993 uh, trade center attack. So the villains are right. You're saying, so the villains are right in this movie. That does because Mm -hmm. all of, all of this murder happens and the news is like, Oh, uh, that's weird. Speaking of which, it's Christmas. Right. Uh, now, okay, another second alternative reading. Maybe the okay, reading is teachers have too much power. <laughs> There's a lot of reactionary readings of this movie. Yeah. <laughs> teachers are, are secretly assassins. Teacher, all teachers trying are trying to dangerous. murder you. Wait, wait, which, speaking of which, which brings me to a point I did want to bring up. What is this town doing? What credentials does she have to teach school? So, yeah, I was wondering about this, too. It was a different time in the mid-90s. I was wondering about this, too. So the only thing I can think of is that uh, when she woke up, so she was deep cover, so she already had a lot of this stuff established. Right. So I bet she already had fake teaching credentials. for Because she was deep cover, like, in this actual role. No, I I bet Pennsylvania of 1996, you needed a bachelor's degree to teach elementary school. So that's probably true. (laughs) Yeah. But could she prove she had one? Yes. So what I'm getting at is the CIA (laughs) installed her there, right? right? And she, you know, I guess the idea that in the clothes she you find her in, she's got like a diploma tucked into her shirt and the clothes. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) So weird. She's got a teaching certificate in there. Education, huh? Okay, sure. (laughs) (laughs) So weird. Yeah, yeah, pro- probably, and, uh, a, and a check for money to fund our schools <laughs> for the next year. Whoa. That's so strange. Well, the higher don't look a gift horse. Yeah, <laughs> the the most the most terrible reactionary aspect of it then is this idea that someone with absolutely no knowledge of anything can could successfully school. be a teacher, can just be a school teacher. Yeah, so. she knows knife stuff. Yeah, she does yeah. because chefs do that. Chefs do that. <laughs> Chefs teach elementary school. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. the last the last point I want to bring up because it's more of a point for all movies really than anything else that I I keep thinking about is how long okay. will a train station allow a bag to just stay in a locker? I feel like the question. answer is not eight years. Yeah. That's a really good question and does in fact implicate lots of movies. Yeah. It's, it's a problem. I feel like at some uh, point, I think it's usually like a year. I think most of the, I feel like I've seen locker things where they're like, just a notice, if, if this thing is locked for too long, we're going to open it. And it's like, and it's never eight years. It's never going to be eight years. But somehow it yeah. always works. I think maybe that movies yeah. are trying to convince you to do this because there's a whole excellent, like maybe like the film <laughs> industry and like 
train stations and airports have like an agreement where it's like we'll convince people that they can store their loot in airport lockers and then we'll rake in the yeah. cash. There's some lobby uh, that, <laughs> yeah, that yeah. is like the the impound like uh, like professionals of American lockers or whatever who are like, you know, in meetings with producers that are like, could you squeeze in someone putting a million dollars in a locker and leaving it there for more than 365 days? So if you could fit that in your movie, that'd be awesome. Really appreciate <laughs> Just to show you our appreciation, and then he slides an envelope full of cash across the table. Right, no, it's a, it's a, it's a key to a box. <laughs> <laughs> and it's only been in there for a month, so you got plenty of time. <laughs> beautiful, beautiful. That's funny. Oh, man. Well, this has been a fun movie uh, and a fun conversation. Uh, Pat. Yes. I want to I want to take a moment and, and look back on Lost in Criterion's 2021. Uh, I feel like we, we do this every off, year and I never remember. And you don't remember do anything. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, uh, we have we have some help this year. Well, and uh, also at. We do it every year, and, and Pat, in general, you don't remember it. And then when Adam says something, you go, oh, God, yeah. Yeah. yeah uh, well, you're not going to react. You're not going to react that way because our very first movie of 2021 was Mishima's Patriotism. Oh, we're not uh, going to forget that. Yeah, yeah, that's that's not something to, to forget. Uh, we did have we did have Stephen on for a couple of January episodes uh, with the Fur- uh, the Furies, and I think Vampire posted in uh, February. Right, that Pierre. That having watched and talked about that movie very deeply is incredibly useful because yeah. like like early vampire stuff is so formative and it just comes up all the time so yeah that was a good one but yeah we had we did while we started off on a very low point with with <laughs> Mishima uh we did uh we watched uh, 24 eyes this year we watched oh, uh, in autumn afternoon uh we uh we also had bottle rocket this year uh chunking express this year uh, some great, some great stuff. Uh, those, uh, those two Bunel films, The Exterminating Angel and Simon of the Desert, which were both really, really fun yeah. uh, Bunel films. Uh, God, Exterminating yeah, Angel. Uh, I was thinking about that today, literally. Yeah, why. Uh, we had we had In the Realm of the Senses this year and uh, oh, yeah. and Empire of Passion. Uh, some some weird uh, quasi art porn. No, uh, I yeah, which were, were amazing. It's worth noting. Yeah, um, the hit was this year. Uh, fantastic! Uh, another movie about uh, gangsters escaping their past. Uh, oh, violence, right. uh, yeah, yeah, coming yeah. to to find you. Uh, yeah, it's uh, just a lot of fun stuff. You know, you know, we get more recent. Obviously, more stuff is going to be in your mind. Last year at Mary Bond, my dinner with Andre, the the three weeks we spent with the Human Condition, uh, um, <laughs> just the stuff, just the so stuff in tired. the last month. Uh, it was it's a it is an emotionally draining movie uh but yeah uh so yeah it's been it's been a fun year of criterion films even if it did start us off with mishima oh man what a rough start though oh boy that was rough yeah yeah uh so you know since this is one of our bonus episodes i uh i do want to do what we normally do on the uh on the the monthly bonus episodes for Patreon, and thank all of our Patreon supporters. Uh, so another shout out to our uh, our ten dollars supporters: Jason Westhaver, Michael McGrath, Nina Bajnak, Patrick Yako, uh, and Adam Speakerman. Our five dollars supporters: Chris Otto, Eric Coronado, and Stephen, of course. 
and all of our $1 supporters right now. Andrew Lemoyne, Eric Coronado, again, because he supports us under two different accounts for some reason, <laughs> one at $5, one at $1. I pointed this out to them, and he's very proud to be our only $6 supporter. Uh, <laughs> Jeffrey Skull, Maui Elena, uh, Perry Sassini, and uh, uh, David Blakesley and Zombie Manos, our friend Sam. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, thank you so much yeah, for you your so support. Much. Uh, it's been uh, it's been an interesting year, uh, not just of movies, but of life in general, certainly. And uh, thank you so much to Ben and Stephen for joining us. Thank you very much. Yeah, <laughs> it's uh, always a pleasure. It's uh, yes, always a pleasure to have you both, uh, even if it is uh, t- the rare occurrence of us watching a movie that you're actually interested. in. Yeah, I really, really <laughs> hope that we can that we can live up to the long kiss goodnight level of like movies going forward in terms of like these uh these holiday specials you know what i mean like it, it was, it was yeah. good oh well, we also we also had sam Prometheus takes place at christmas just pointing that out for yes. next year yes yes oh. we'll, we'll keep that in mind uh we also had sam Fuller's white dog i guess is a is a weird highlight of, of this year too uh what a what a complicated movie that yeah, was we had a really complicated <laughs> conversation about that yeah yeah uh but uh but yeah uh, looking forward to the coming year. Uh, we've got, uh, you know, always, we've got a Christmas tale coming up. Uh, whatever. I don't actually know what that movie's about. It's from 2008. It should be something I know, but, um, but yeah, uh, actually what I'm really looking forward to is just in a couple of months, we'll be watching Che, Steven Soderbergh's, uh, 2008 film. So I'm real happy about that. Uh, but anyway, uh, looking to the future, looking to the past, looking to the present, haunted by it all. Uh, we will be uh, we'll be unscrooged or home alone one way or another. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. I like just, it. I, the new sign off, I guess. <laughs> yeah, tying together, tying together all of the all of the movies we uh, movie titles we verbed this <laughs> this episode. Uh, thank you, everyone, for joining us. Thank you so much for listening. I am, as always, Liam Glass. With me, as always, John Patrick Oitari Dorgan. Merry Christmas. Happy Hanukkah, which is over now, I think, uh, especially by the time this posts, which I think, uh, just because of the way the scheduling worked out, will be Christmas Eve. Uh, but uh, happy solstice, happy new year, happy whatever holidays you might uh, participate in or might not. You know, just be happy. Uh, or else. <laughs> it's a threat. It's worth knowing this is a threat. It's a it's a threat Listen, now. Adam sees you when you're sleeping. <laughs> I do. And he knows when you're awake. <laughs> oh, I know. Uh, anyway, thank you so much. We'll be back next week for a regular episode. And as always, over at patreon.com slash Lost and Criterion every month for these non-Criterion bonus episodes. Uh, so if you want to hear those, uh, head over there. We'll see you next time. We'll see you next year. We'll see you sometime in the future, certainly. Bye. See you right now. (laughs) And bye. And bye.
This has been Lost in Criteria. I'm your co-host, Adam Glass. You can find me on Twitter at TheAdamGlass. My partner is John Patrick Oitari Dorgan, and you can find him at JPatrickDorgan. Check out more of the show at LostInCriterion.com, or hey, give us a review on iTunes. It's nice. If you really like what you hear, consider supporting us at Patreon.com slash LostInCriterion. Hey, our theme music is by Jonathan Hape. Check him out at JonathanHape.com. And thanks for listening. We appreciate it.